You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Welcome. On the road, David Hall. Hello from Memphis. Right. And Greg Hectus. Mike, I think you have to interrupt or introduce him as like our correspondent coming from wherever he's going to be located. Our correspondent from the UP. We have another (laughs) correspondent uh, from the Upper Peninsula. It's Tony Rochette returning. Hey, everybody. It's a lower peninsula. Got to get it right. Yeah, it's just to clarify, by the way, I'm not looking at the script or anything. I'm literally just watching the road and talking. On the show this week, we'll be talking everything Daytona 24, from stats to how Team Tifosi fared, as well as another controversy that may have tainted the top split. The Coke Series teams have been re- uh, have their releases out. We'll see a, a first in hardware with a new level of submersion. And Dave Cam tries to get us all in trouble by asking, how much have we spent on our sim racing hardware? And remember, everybody, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time. As you listen to the show and see for yourself all these crazy products we'll be talking about, visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So we'll see you there. There's a lot of stuff going on as seasons in full full gear here so we're going to kick it off with uh, a big story that's uh in a week of big stories but uh, the first one is the new sim called ren sport is coming now i've always uh, focused this podcast specifically on iRacing but i thought it was important to talk about this because a lot of drivers uh, iRacing drivers have fled uh, to go uh, to this new sim. So let's talk about it. The pieces are all falling in place. We've had several high profile sim drivers, as I mentioned, announce leaving their teams without announcing where they were going. Uh, and then we have this new sim coming out, Rensport. That's the obvious landing spot. Now we have FaZe Clan, one of the, he's actually one of the guys my wife knows uh, through work. He uh, is apparently a, a very famous guy uh, who does gaming and uh, streaming. Anyway, he announced a partnership with Porsche this week. Uh, his name is Phase Swag. So basically, uh, Porsche is trying to do the same thing, I take it, at Motorsports Game is doing. Hey, they got a media outlet. They got the .gg. They got the drivers. They signed up all the good drivers. They got publicity in buying into esports, um, and so this the speculation is Porsche is actually funding a lot of the money that that's going into this. Because you look at it and you say, okay, where's the money coming from? I don't see a lot of sponsors, so where's the money coming from? So, Mike, this Phase Clan is obviously a, there's a 
it is the individual, but there's a bunch of guy people part of it, is it not? Yeah, so now later in the week, we've announced that FaZe Clan, Moz, M O U Z, Furia, F U R I A, and Heroic, who are all existing ESL Pro League competing teams, they compete across titles such as Counter Strike, Global Offensive, and StarCraft 2. And so they're all coming into the sport, uh, sim racing with sim with actual sim racing uh, drivers, uh, joining up with these esports clans or teams, I guess you would call it, uh, that are quite famous in their existing realm. It's kind of interesting because I was wondering how they had such a quick backing for like, I thought they were just maybe possibly a racing thing, but then I realized when you said the um counter-strike and and starcraft that makes sense they've had a following for years then yeah i'm not the only one who i'm not the guy who figured all this out i'm surmising off of uh, some videos uh that were put out here by um kareth uh is one guy who put out a youtube video that speculated about a lot of what i was just talking about trying to put the pieces together but then later in the week greg uh traxian.gg put out uh, the championship is uh, going to happen. It's a 500,000 euro um, prize pool, 500,000 euros. Um, and it starts in February. So we have an article about it. So is this sim actually going to be released by then? Like it starts soon, like I think in the next month. I'm trying to find the date now. Because there'll be like two seasons. Spring and fall, uh, spring season consists of nine rounds. The first two in person during the IEM Expo in Poland. Each individual round will consist of seven races and a knockout system similar to that tested at the Rinsport Summit one in May. Four quarterfinals, two semifinals, and a final. That's piling a whole lot of money and, and expectations on the software that's not even out yet. Yeah, David, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I mean, it hasn't hasn't gone through all the trials and tribulations that that iRacing has gone through over the years. You know, I, you know, we get to the point now where we run tons and tons of drivers at Daytona, but um, you know, it wasn't without its growing pains. Um, so it kind of evolved into that. But this this one's and iRacing doesn't even pay out the Daytona really, right? So these guys are getting a massive payout and haven't gone through all those growing pains. So, so who, who knows if this SIM, if the software is, is um, up to, up to the task. It's, it, I hate, hate to see it turn into what we saw last week with, uh, with the uh, Le Mans race. Yeah. It's just, kind of, I mean, like I'm kind of eating the same horse, but they're scheduling all of this stuff. And again, software has not been shaken down at all what if what if it's just a bug fest right and and then they're writing off they're driving on bug written software for a five hundred thousand dollar price pool i i think the problem here is is it doesn't matter if it sucks or not or if it's good or not it's everything's going to drive this with the money that's being thrown at it so um you know i feel like sponsors and all this stuff might dilute the sim community because we might be starting in a to a, tr a trend here where money starts talking more than quality 
And I, I just hope we don't get to that point where the product starts, you know, any of the products start failing because they're just so money driven, so hungry to have that, that title of, um, you know, most money paid out or best backing, you know, from companies. I just hope we don't get to a point where the, you know, we're releasing these things without um, having something that people can enjoy. I don't race this for the money that they do. And we don't do this. We're enthusiasts. These guys are doing it for a paycheck. And I think sometimes that might get, we might lose the quality if, if that starts taking over. Well, some of the teams besides the Counter-Strike teams I already mentioned are uh, BS Competition, Petronas, Williams, Coanda, uh, and then manufacturer-based outfits such as BMW, AMG, Porsche. Uh, FaZe Clan recently announced that Porsche partnership, and they're going to use the uh, platform Ren Sport. says it'll be out. Um, it's in beta, and it will be out in open betas in 2023, it says. Did I see Williams is on there too, Mike? Yeah, we'll be talking about Williams esports quite a bit today. I wonder if they'll be um, able to find an exploit in that one. You know, what they are going to be running are GT3 cars, the BMW, AMG, the Porsche, and the Audi. Well, with that much money online, um, they'll be looking for whatever exploit they can find, that's for sure. We, we, we'll, we'll find out later, but that's, that's what they do. Um, but to your guys' point, or Mike's original point, there's got to be a big money backer. I mean, this this game, this this sim has not raised a penny, and they're already they're already pledging 500 grand for that. Plus whatever the software and the servers and all that stuff that are involved in this are going to cost. So there's big money up front in this coming from somewhere. Is it Porsche? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it has any effect on Porsche's support in iRacing or not, because Porsche has been very. Um, very involved with iRacing. You know, they sponsor the top road series. Um, they, they, they worked a lot with uh, iRacing with their mission car and stuff like that. So uh, Porsche and iRacing have a really good relationship. And uh, if, if they are throwing all their weight behind this transport, you know, who knows if that would, would affect iRacing's relationship with Porsche. Whether they pull out their sponsorship, I hope they would at least be smart enough not to pull, make the mistake that IRL did and, and make themselves exclusive. They already did it once, and then and it sucked for quite a while. About that. So um, Traxian put out a different article just before a podcast uh, recording that basically said that all the teams and drivers are um, eligible to race on other platforms and other events. And there's no binding uh, situation with this particular uh, series or platform. The other thing I'll say out loud is whoever has organized it and spent that money and, and gotten these particular list of teams on board, wow, well done. I mean, to get the existing streamers that, you know, get thousands and thousands of people watching them play Call of Duty and stuff. To get those teams involved in sim racing for the first time, that's a big get, you know, that I think iRacing is, you know, it's too bad that we don't have some some uh, marketing guys that are just on on the on their toes and and go after stuff like this, like the, like this uh, group has. 
Yeah, and it's got to be a company that can't live or die with this in, with it, with this investment. You know what I mean? If if this fails, it all goes down. You would think it would be a, a company like Porsche that you know, if 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 it doesn't work out, they're going to be okay doing doing their other stuff. Yeah, if you look, Porsche's name is everywhere. They, remember, Porsche bought out Coanda Simsports. Okay, they're now named po Porsche Coanda. So. Not only that, they signed with FaZe Clan, obviously the biggest uh, name out of all those teams mentioned. Okay, let's get on to the next big story. The iRacing Daytona 24-hour recap. <laughs> and so 16,651 drivers, 4,191 teams, 85 splits. Those are some big numbers, guys. Uh, that's got to be the, I'm sure it's the biggest uh, event ever, right? And uh, something especially of note is how how it, uh, it all the servers spun up like that, and basically it went off problem free on the technical side. I was just gonna say Mike gives the UI crap for a bunch of things, but it's done its job since they brought it in to help with these big events. That's true. I think it was like two minutes that uh, that from uh, hitting the race button to uh, getting the 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 screen on there and everything all figure it out for my split so rob crouch as usual from australia puts out um a website iracingreports.com and so he's got stats on each class and uh i'll look here at the lmdh class uh there were eleven thousand four unique teams averaging 1.2 starts and that turned into a controversy like how many times should we be running this event? You know, you have these different time slots. Now, our team certainly took advantage of that. We'll talk about later. There, uh, were, there were guys on the mat scene that were running one. They ran a 24 and a league 24 simultaneously and just rotated the drivers between the two uh, servers. That's insane. So he goes on to list the the podium for every split. So it's kind of neat. If you're in the top three, you can go in and check and see your name. Could have been on it. Um, FYI, that's the GTP class. It's only LMDH in Europe. I want to point out the grand Shalems. That means you win the pole position. You won the race. You had the fastest lap and you led every lap. And there were actually four teams that did it. So Team Bootnaka, Team PLR, Category 5 Esports, and finally Radiator Springs Kirchus. Well done, guys. That is an awesome accomplishment. I think Category 5 was the guys in our split. Uh, Williams no, Esports. Hutchins in Sports was the one that won it. Who are they? Hutch Sports Racing. Okay. Yeah, Urana, uh, Urano Esports and Williams Esports had the most laps as a team, 921. So that's just the uh, one class. What about the uh, other one? Let me look at that. We won't talk about the 217. We'll just talk about the GT3, right? <laughs> they had 1,797. Well, yeah, neither one of our splits had it. Uh, their top split strength of field was seven three six one. Wow! I'm gonna look for Grand Chelem. I'll say was the G the uh, GT three uh, bottom split was that a uh, about a thousand oh four? 
Oh, here it is. Split 16, strength of field 942. Oh, Tommy had a more lower split than me. We were definitely a bottom split for our time slot, though. Uh, here, Mike, while you're going through that, split 16 on the earliest one was 863, strength of field. Then split 11 on the second time slot was 1,083. And split the third time slot had 20, whoa, shit. They had 42, thir 42 splits, and the strength of field for the last one was 1,004. And then the last one, Mike, you said was uh, 942. Yeah, that split 42, that was my split. That's crazy. That was a lot of splits. <laughs> the Grand Shalem uh, was the Cookie Monster Racing Team and Glacier Racing. So two teams did it. I recall hearing Cookie Monster Racing before. So um, Matt Malone put up a video that was very interesting. It showed a guy going off and in, in turn one, coming out of turn, well, kind of the kink after turn one, and he goes off in the grass and he ends up going the wrong way on the track after the, the loop and, uh, and hit and runs like head on into the leader, leader of the race. And uh, that was an interesting. Wasn't it Matt video. that he ran, got ran into? I think it was Matt that was. Yeah, driving. yeah. He was just like show. I think that's how he was presenting it. That it was, he was the guy who got wrecked. I could so be wrong. Just because he's such a character, I can't tell if he's actually serious that he was leading it or not. Was that? Uh, he's he's pretty fast too. Uh, was that just a clueless rejoin or like? He just couldn't stop. Once you're uh, yeah in the grass, it's too late. You know when you come around the first bend, uh, David, and then you, you start going through those S parts? It's right on the first S. They had a net code, and it kind of shot him. And as soon as he straightened it out, he was already almost all the way across the grass, and he could, just couldn't slow down. Okay, so that had to be after turn one. Because if you miss turn one, you go into barrels. No, it would, yeah, they were just finishing it, and then they hit the S parts uh, to, to the end of the pit road. Yeah, yeah. So... One of the other discussion points after the race was, do we really need four slots, time slots for four different events? Um, because people are saying, you know, there people are taking advantage of that. Now I'll, I'll jump to our result real quick where we got, we wrecked in our particular start and we decided to move into the next start. And uh, so we could start fresh with a fresh car. And I, I'm sure that there's other teams that do that now. You know what? That's a that's nice to have to, to be able to say, okay, wow, we messed up. Let's let's start over in the next start, and then we'll be okay, and we'll, and we'll save our race. I mean, it's a sigh of relief when when we have that option, right, guys? Do people not realize that there's all kinds of different countries that involve in this? Like that's why they do that so many things, and it's no different than any other series. Should we only have one day a week where we run NASCAR races? Do we have one day a week where we run truck races? One day a week where we run INSA races? Like just, I, I find people create these narratives that just aren't needed. Why was it an advantage? Because people came in and got to race multiple, multiple things. I don't get mad at being people being able to run 10 times a week or 20 times a week on the sim compared to my one or two times a week. So why does it matter if people are in your split racing? Who cares? Now there's people uh, that didn't like it. Obviously, you know there's people. Oh, they go in the first one just to practice for the when they're you know they're going to 
their real attempt, which is the next one. I guess you could do that. But here's how that, here's why the four start times evolved. It used to be only one start time. And, and to try to lighten the load, they split it in half and then even needed to split it even more just to try to reduce the number of splits. And um, so even though they probably maybe could consolidate it now that they've got the system really working, it's there to uh, to keep it from killing the system. That's why there's four I, splits. I, I think one of the arguments, David, is it's a 24-hour race. So the argument of having to have a start time for a particular part of the world is kind of silly because at any point over the 24 hours, it would be, you know, an ideal time for wherever yeah. you are in the world, right? So, But that's not why they split it. That, right. that they, but plus, the, the last two time zones aren't so great for Australians because it goes into Monday. Now, here, Mike, here's uh, an argument to what you were just saying there. Okay, so say that we're on the bad end of it being in eastern time zone or the west time zones where we're thing what would you think of that the race starts at three o'clock in the morning our time and that's all the choice you get what are you going to think about that and you and the only one that's available to race is you you have to get up at 3 a.m you're missing the point though that's not why they created that many splits they created that many splits so that there wouldn't be so many people in one start time well, you know what's going to happen too. They they eliminate the the other three splits, make the one flat split time. Something happens, and then everyone goes. Uh, they'll argue, the argument will go back the other way. Why don't we have three? Add three more back into it. Now there's stats behind this, so let's go over the stats. Um, Rob Crouch, our stats guy, thank you, Rob, has told us that six teams total entered all four sessions. Only six teams. So that's interesting to try to enter all four. I, I wonder what the idea is there. But uh, then only 63 teams entered three sessions. 578 teams entered two sessions. Hey, that would be us. We entered two. And then 2,822 teams stayed in one session only. So there's not that many people taking advantage of it. And probably the biggest thing is uh, starting a later split if, if you get that look, right? I'm just trying to figure out why does it matter? Like, why does it matter if if they started all four? If they didn't complete them all, they do. There is a penalty. They lose I rating. They lose safety rating if they don't compete them. Like, it, there is a penalty to it. There's not. You can't. They can't win all four. And if you don't have a ton of drivers, you, you you're not going to complete them all. You're going to end up not being able to cover all the time. I I think the thing that we need to stop arguing about is we stop. We got to stop her. Uh, um penalizing the guy that there's a couple people that ran and i know we're going to get to this but there's people that ran the actual 24 solo but yet they're going to finish the race without getting and they're going to get penalized so you know that's a big feat in its own but we're worried about how many splits we run in and things like that i think one of the downsides that of having multiple splits is that It'd be nice to have like a, a winner of the of the race, you know, a winner of the your top team. I mean, do you go by how many laps of the four splits? Is there one split that takes priority over the others? You know, if, there if is. you had one split, there is. It's the main okay. one. The okay. one so there is a main in. one. 
If there is a main one that is is designated as, you know, if you win this split, you are the Daytona 24 champion, then uh, that's, that's fine with me. I strength the field as well as the most splits of the four of the four times splits, you probably have the, the highest strength field on the one that had 42 splits. So that's the toughest one to win. So anybody who's running the other races is either running in because of the time or because they don't want to go up, up against the toughest competition or because they got wrecked out. And so Cisco Scaramuza from iRacing, he posted up that on lap 870, Chevette, uh, Who's a I race? Uh, that's a Twitter handle. Was racing solo in the Daytona 24 and did all 870 laps, and that is a world record for a solo driver. He actually uh, raised $5,600 uh, for charity and passed their donation goal. Yeah, I looked this up, Mike. He actually finished at 888. So lucky eight for, for uh, Cisco, eight hundred and eighty-eight laps he finished with all by himself. Pretty, pretty impressive. transition. Device. <laughs> I gotta mention that device though that we posted like what yesterday. You probably had that connected. I was going to say, I had one driver in my, my split that actually ran all 12 hours, Ronan Casey out of, uh, out of um, Australia. Um, he was the one car. It, it, it just I kept seeing his name over and over and over, and I was like, man, this guy's the only one I end up looking. He's the only one, and it's like, yep, they finished at the end. So we had one in bottom split in uh, my time slot. Let's talk about our results as a team. Uh, we'll start with Team Fun, who was the Ferrari GTE with Tony, Woo! Tyler Williamson, Donnie Spiker, and Chris Scales, P14. Uh, team Captain Tony Rochette took the green to start the race. A, a couple on-track incidents and a hardware malfunction resulted in the team being 31 laps down by the end of the race. Team Fun continued to push all day and all night and ended with a 14th place finish. Team received 51X and the third least amongst all teams. Most laps run, Donning Spiker at 281. Fastest lap, Tyler Williamson with a 145.7. That's after uh, hitting the wall a couple of times, too. What's this, what's this hardware malfunction, Tony? Well, uh, it was during Chris Chris's uh, um, stint. It was lap, like he had 10 laps to go, and uh, he was coming in the turn one, and all I hear is some profanities, and I was, I was looking at somebody else's car. I, I switched over our car. I see him in the wall, and he's like, "Up, oh, my cord came out from my wheel from my base." It's like, "Oh boy, that's fun." So we ended up towing it, got it all fixed out, and the car was still pretty good. But uh, I, I'm that must have been Donnie that wrote that uh, that summary because I was going to put in there that that a downburst of rain caught Chris off guard and made him spin out and hit the wall, but. There were other incidents. Uh, you took a couple, right? Yeah, I had one guy kind of pushed me in the grass, and I spun and booped the wall. And then uh, for some reason, my my second, no, third stint or run in my first stint, um, I for some stupid reason, I ended up looking down at my foot coming out of the horseshoe and hit the wall. So that was our first uh, 
wall damage. Um, other than that, the car felt great. Um, had a felt. I felt like we had lost a little bit of a uh, uh, straight line speed coming out of the bus stop, but car ran good all all uh, all race. So, how did your rookie perform? Donnie did awesome. Um, I know last year we gave Tyler the the rookie of the year and the, the MVP of the year. It went to Donnie this year. Um, he didn't tell us until after the race, but he was only driving what, pretty much with one hand for in the infield all his whole his whole time. I guess he hurt his hand or something like that. I can't remember, but he did an awesome job. Ran most laps, uh, few few incidences, and uh, yeah, he he had fun. That's why we're team fun. Right. So let's talk team fast. It was the BMW. David Hall, Greg Hectus, Mike Ellis, Tom Dryling, and Kyle Pendigraf. It was P4. Wow. Top five, baby. Car drove like a dump truck the last segment. Definitely couldn't get through the corners like we could early in the race. We did lead two laps of, of the race, and out fastest lap was 132.6 on lap 629. The average lap time was 139.5. We completed 861 laps, 94X, and was 35 laps down. Now, before the recording, David, we were kind of breaking this down. We were already way behind the leader when I wrecked the car. Now, I got in the car a few laps. I, I did just fine getting it up to speed. And then I kind of misjudged the bus stop. I was probably going to go off. But then the guy behind me ran over me and really helped me off. So uh, we had uh, a long repair after that. And then what? Let me, David, here, I'll kind of explain this and you can help me fill it in. Um, I know David was away for most of the start of the um, the race. He, to, uh, David had more of the later stints of the night, but uh, Tom started us off. He actually started off the earlier portion of the day where we where his pe pedals malfunctioned and disconnected. Um, so we had to, that's why we restarted and did the next split that's why we were in two splits so then we restarted tom did the first three uh three runs of the next split um i think we started 21st drove up to i think tom got us up to 12th or 11th somewhere around there i got in the car and i moved us into the top five in on my stint and i think kyle got in the car next kept us steady kyle kyle ran a perfect uh stint through his three i got in the car um, and it was fourth and <clears throat> I got in it again, and I think we had moved up to third. We were battling with third at that point, um, just back and forth. We were all in the same lap, and then, Mike, you had your incident came in. We were wondering where we were going to drop back. Um, it was like, I think it was eighth or ninth that we ended up coming seventh, out. I can't remember. When, yeah, oh, it was seventh? seventh or eighth Okay, yeah, when we got done with and my repair. It was a 25-minute repair. Yeah, so um, – there was a lot of discussion in the 25 minutes about if we were going to keep going. David, you wanted to get in the car and see how it felt after Mike finished. Um, we did got going. Um, I went to bed and then I woke up at three o'clock for my stint, and I heard I saw the messages saying that we were already, we were up to P2. So I got I got down and was uh, to the car, and we were I think we had two laps or one lap on the guys behind us. And then things just kept falling apart in the middle of the night for the other teams. We were we were sitting tight. We were up four laps when I gave it to Tom, um, and Tom just had a little mishap where 
he missed a breaking point and he did it in the wrong corner where he ended up in the wall, damaged it for another eight minutes with the damage, brought us back to the same laps as the car, two teams that were chasing. And I don't think we were ever getting close after that. Were we, David? No, I just couldn't get back to him. Uh, and a little bit more pace, especially with the, I don't think the, the car was 100%. It was still decent, but I, it was really hard to get it down into the 43s at that point. Yeah, because I, when I got in the car, I noticed that we were down three miles an hour at the top end of the track. So, you know, we just, we never, we never really had top end pace like the top team anyways. Um, when I noticed we were racing with them, um, they just out dragged us down the, the straights. Uh, we went with a more conservative setup and we were good on the infield and a little slower on the out, uh, on the the super speedway part of the track, but I feel I felt like the car was really competitive. We ran good lap times. Um, I felt good on my stints. Uh, David, you did uh, great through your stints. We had a couple mishaps. It's 24 hours. It's a team event. Things are going to happen. Um, but a P4 uh, would have been nice with a P2, but a P4 after 24 hours and all the stuff we have, we should be pretty proud. Yeah, considering we, we were in the pits for over half an hour, P4 is, is just fine. I, we, we would, I don't think we would have won uh, a little math. Mike, 25 minutes of damage. I got in the car after he ran his, went ahead and ran his third stint, uh, and they were 50 minutes ahead of us. So even without the damage, we would have been 25 minutes behind. They were just quick. They were almost so, average. When I looked at their times, David, their, their their average time almost through the whole race was faster than some of our fast times. So it's really hard to um, to make up that time. We just, we just we didn't have the setup to compete with the top guys, but we were a top two car. So I'll, we'll, you know, take that. I don't think I put it on the setup. I think they just had faster drivers. Nope. We had a top one setup. I'm just kidding. Anyways, that was a good race, guys. Yeah, you know Tom, Tom Dryling. I mean, he uh, he made me feel not so bad because he <laughs> he obviously put out, put it in the wall a few times uh, and and helped us get to where we were. But like you said, it's a team effort. Um, we live and die as a team in this particular race, and it's and it's so cool that we stayed in it and ended up with a top five. I mean, a. Uh, it's something to say, hey, we got a P4 in the in the Daytona 24, and that's pretty cool. We've all done it, Mike. It's sim racing. Thank God we don't have to pay for the car. It's fun. It's a good day. It's a good 20 or a day event where you can just kind of blow off some steam and have some fun. All right. Let's get into the big story that came after the race. Top split, apparently. Williams Esports in the BMW, the winner. Uh, a pole winner as well. Well, first of all, the pole lap, um, and there's video out of it. Basically, he ran the apron before and after the bus stop instead of being up on the oval. Now, that's against sporting code. Um, it doesn't give you a 1X or an off track or anything like that, but that's what he did to get the pole position, you know, because it's faster. Question is, is it? So does it actually say stay off the apron? I think it is. That's why they were doing somebody, it. They they put cones there to make sure you're not. So I don't know. Like I know what you're saying, David. Physical words may not have been written that way, but you know, 
I guess the other thing when you say sporting code, there's got to be some ethics involved with the person and the teams too. Yeah, it might be covered in, in it could be covered in the the kind of catch-all phrase, but if you protest, it's not somebody, the racing surface. Yeah, but you can if you can go under the double yellow in Talladega and then and come back up and and you can't protest. If they say that that they do not enforce it. So it's not enforced by iRacing. So here's what I'm going to jump to the quote by Greg West about this. He says in the forums, quote, I can say that this specific scenario was discussed in a pre-race briefing. We had not put a one X down there prior to encourage cars that might be limping back to the pits to stay off the racing line. We will be discussing mechanisms to mitigate the ability to use this area in an advantageous manner moving forward. The sporting code specifically outlines the situation 8.118 drivers can only use the racing surface for qualifying and racing. The apron and pit road are not defined as racing surfaces. Drivers may not use the apron or pit road to gain an advantage in qualifying or racing. Any advantage will be term be determined by iRacing. A protest may be filed through the proper channels, blah, 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 blah. The area is clearly coned off. We would hope that would be enough of a deterrent. Does that well, what about places like Kentucky where everybody cuts the apron or Phoenix? Or the fact that they won't enforce it at Talladega if it's plate racing when it's against NASCAR's rules? Well, it's no different question. than... I think, you know, even if you look at the cup cars when they race like Coda or uh, Watkins Glen when you drive out way past the exits, right? But I, I think I think the hardest part here, Mike, is they said they discussed it before the race. If that was the case, then wouldn't the, the – they're saying now that they're going to look into things that were um, uh, to, to, to mitigate this from happening again. Wouldn't the first thing that they could have done there before the race started saying, if you were caught doing this, this is what's going to happen. That there is no uh, black or white there. Like if they're already talking about it, put it, nip it in the butt before it gets to it. Advertise, you know, say it out loud. You mean like to the public, Hey, ahead of time, aprons off limits, blah, 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 blah. If it was already brought up as a problem, that's on like, should that not like that should be iRacing's fault. I mean, they took advantage of it. Yes, they're they're being a bad sports for doing it. But iRacing, if they were, if, I don't know the circumstances of what was actually discussed, but can't you just go, okay, this is what's going to happen. Um, if you do this, this is your consequence. So don't do it. And here's, a, here's an interesting question that could have easily probably led to this. When spa happened... Do we know if any penalties were given for that, or did they just let them all go? They'll never let us know. We've never heard any penalties for any of these, have we? No, it's always private. You know, they're not going to publish that. Well, this is a case of these special events where that, that, that puts that on their face. Well, so, and then, sorry, Mike. And learning off of a week previous or two weeks previous, when you watch the debacle that happened with the Lamar on another thing, why would you not try and protect yourself as a brand? Yeah, everything else went so well. Um, you're right. It, it, it's, what could they have done different about this situation? I don't know. But what did become public is Tony Kanaan, um, as a 
as a uh, an ambassador for sim racing uh he put out on twitter his statement about this because there was video everywhere about what happened um he said quote we try to grow sim racing we work hard to get a reputation and then this and that's why some of these kids will never succeed in real race life you do that on a real quality for the biggest event of the year you're out of the paddock the moment you park your car you're out isn't it kind of hypocritical though for him to say that i'm not saying that he's cheats or anything like that but if if his crew chief finds an extra tenth doing something illegal on his car or breaking the rule book he's probably no problem against that as long as he doesn't get caught well i think he's specifically talking about driving the apron on the qualifying lap um kind of like the driver's and, code but the thing is is they did it on uh during the race as well every lap during the race is my understanding they were always on the apron it wasn't just qualifying so it that's how they got one lap more race. than every other team so the twitter conversation took off from there and then you had the this guy named seb hawkins who apparently is the williams esports team manager he basically is replying to Tony Kanaan, trying to justify the decision by Alexander Spetz to knowingly break the sporting code. Um, he said, I understand the point and frustration, but as an esports team, we have obligations to win races for the partners and brands that invest in us. If the game allows it, we take it, or we get outplayed by those that do it to us. Really, the game needs to be stricter. So he's blaming the game. The guy who actually is cheating, he's saying that, uh, oh, you're not uh, enforcing it. We're going to take it. And he's half right because they didn't say they didn't come out and publicly slap the wrists of the people at Spa. So now they know they can turn around and do it again. Right? This is one of the places where where he's he's half right, and that that I racing is a little culpable for for letting stuff like this go without publicly punishing. Wasn't the other big problem with Spa the fact that they did penalize some people and then they turned their backs on those penalties later on and kind of like soften them. I don't recall. I really don't. Okay. So we've only talked about the BMW specifically and riding the apron that alone, I think is a, is a, the guy should be banned just, you know, cause that's obviously everyone knows you're not supposed to do that. The cones are there. That's enough. If the cones are there, that should be enough of a message. I don't know that iRacing should have to do anything more than that, but I think what iRacing needs to do is increase the penalty system uh, in this situation. A, a week or a two-week ban isn't going to hurt the guy who won the the twenty-four because he's working on he's doing special events, you know, every six eight weeks. So you need to ban him for months or a year or something like that. You know, it needs to be some major. Yeah, or alternatively. I've suggested this before. Maybe not every band needs to be uh, service-wide. If you get in trouble running NIS, you should get banned from NIS. Or if get, maybe they should be banned from ban the endurance team. events for the rest of the year. Ban, no, ban, the ban them from yeah. endurance events. Ban them from endurance events for the rest I mean, of the year. The big, yeah, the big stuff. I agree with you, David. I think the other thing they need to do is they need to slap the team with the, the, the thing where all the people – because obviously not all the drivers i mean they're all they all did it apparently or in that race right well slap the team with the with the, whatever it is and say you're not allowed to 
compete for six months or whatever, David, like you're saying, just don't compete in that series. And you know what? Once a team, he's saying that they got to do this because they're, you know, battling people. Well, if your your reputation's on the line, if you take the team, they'll either find a way not to do that so it's better, or um, you know, they'll just comply uh, comply with the rules, right? Okay. So the other thing that um, that came to light after a video put out by Pablo, uh, who's PGZ Motorsports. Um, he detailed out what East Williams Esports did in their B in the uh, GT3 cars. So, so not so you had the kid in the BMW on the apron, but now in the GT3s, what they were doing was a bunch of monkey business, where they'd have a team car leading or, or trying to get to the leader in contention. Then they would have a car that got wrecked out and was many many laps down. Well, that car that got wrecked out was doing the monkey business by waiting at the end of pit road for the right time to come out to be able to tow his team car around with draft or to be a moving chicane like a blocking car for the cars that the lead car was racing against um there was even an incident in the video where uh the the wrecked car actually wrecked one of the lead cars that the the other you know his teammate was racing again and uh, they were going down the straight and he was right on his tail pushing and he actually turned him into the wall and wrecked him and so there's a bunch of really really bad stuff that the williams esports teams were doing in the gt3s as well i'm sorry this team should be event like they should be banned from racing this year in any more endurance races in iRacing, I, I, they, they obviously don't get sportsmanship. It's just not, they're just, they're all they're there for is to, to win, which is fine. But you also have to be a, you should be a respectful driver as a company. Um, I don't, I don't know who runs it or whatever, but it's pretty bad. And then the statements that they keep putting out um, where people are supposed to be respectful to them in, and I know you're going to read it here in a sec, Mike, but they need to be respectful of what we say to them. What respect did you show your competition on the racetrack? Yeah, it's let's talk about that. They can, they can shove it as far as respect goes. So all the videos and whatnot came out on Monday, r- roughly, uh, where everything became public of what happened. And so the actual Williams eSports team has been silent the whole time until finally late Wednesday, we have a tweet uh, and here's the, uh, the statement they put out, quote, Williams eSports is investigating the incidents that occurred during the iRacing operated Daytona 24. We do not condone social media abuse and would implore the sim racing community to respect all teams, drivers, and one another online. Their last statement just right there shows their lack of knowing what the hell transpired. What do they have to investigate? They streamed what they were doing. They, did they not have all the video evidence because they were being streamed while they were doing it? Yeah, you're right, Greg. This one really chapped my hide because, like I said, everybody in the community knew what happened as of Monday. And, and if you haven't seen it by Tuesday and now Wednesday, this team, they should be coming out with an apology. 
we apologize to the sim racing community for these incidents. We're taking internal action against these drivers, blah, 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 blah. That's what they should be saying. But instead, they come out and say, don't abuse us on social media. Well, guess what? People are calling them out, just like Greg did. You don't have any sportsmanship. And, and it, you know, the, the conversation on Twitter, you know, it went pretty south. I mean, uh, a lot, there were some people uh, picking on the kid in the BMW. Now, the kid was only 17 years old, apparently. He's still a kid. And uh, some people were getting a little over the line with, uh, you know, uh, some of the things being said. And I understand that's probably what they're referring to. But to not come out and just, you know, with an apology, it's crazy. Now, the other thing that happened is Jensen Button, the Formula F1 drive, former Formula F1 driver from Great Britain, he apparently is a Williams Esports ambassador. And he got involved in the conversation trying to defend the actions of this team. And then you should have seen the dumpster pile on uh, on the Jensen about it. It was crazy. I just don't understand. I, I get that we're not supposed to, like, obviously it's not good to go after the kid. The kid was following orders, to be honest. And that's the problem with these money purses or these teams and stuff. All they've done is turns these drivers into puppets. I mean, they're not racing real-life motorsports cars. They're racing the sim, which is fine. But all it's done is made some robotic people um, that will do anything to exploit. I mean, people exploit things on the track, uh, you know, with technology and, and, and parts and stuff. And we're exploiting codes and minor rule books in sim racing. So it's... I just find it funny for a team that has so much motorsports history with Frank Williams, you know, at one point being one of the most dominant team, you know, Williams being one of the most dominant teams in F1 and then having this as their, you know, something that's going on in the background. I know they're not competitive in F1 anymore, but this isn't a good look for that Williams name, you know? Hey, and then who's the uh, new team principal at Williams this year, Greg? Uh, a guy named James Vowles. Oh, he's uh, he's the guy who's instrumental in bringing the Formula One car to iRacing. And he's a partner, you know, a deep partner with iRacing. I, I imagine I, he's got some kind of shame about this, you would think. Well, I mean, he's from Mercedes in general, right? Like he's he's got deep roots in being in the Mercedes team before that. That's true, but he's new to Williams, and um, maybe he's wondering what he's jumped into. I honestly don't think this Williams team would even register with their F1 stuff. To have Jason Button, I'm wondering if Jason Button's only being, you know, turned on to this is because you got someone like Tony Kanaan, you know, internationally posting about it as well, calling them, you know, disgraceful. What a mess. You know, it was a great event. Like you said, it went off flawlessly um but to have a like you said a, a a formula one team related like williams you know to do this and to not even apologize for it to just outright do it and then the team manager you know try to defend it you know it, it's like where are your morals where are your ethics where's your your race craft i mean none of that is it's all out the window yeah but a lot of those i mean 
racing is a big you have to have a big ego to be a race car driver. So like, it wouldn't surprise me that they would defend something like this because it's just how it is. You have the one, you have certain drivers that just don't, you know, I know Tony Kanaan does have an ego, but he's, he's a down to earth human being too. And he can see right and wrong on the racetrack. Sometimes I know in the F1 side, it's really hard. F1 is when you get an F1 driver or an F1 team involved in anything on social media, it is an explosion. And, it is more, the, one of the most toxic places to be part of is to to look at what goes on in the background of social media with F1 teams. And to have Williams part of something here, um, it's not even F1 related, it's endurance racing. And I can't remember, were they the ones that won the Le Mans race in the, um, in the one for uh, the week, couple weeks earlier? I don't think it, they did, no. Oh, no, it was Team Redline, their other car. It was their second car. That's right. Well, and I just checked uh, the Twitter for Williams Esports to see if they have any updated uh, statements. But no, uh, you if you wade into the comments on that re- statement I re- read, man, they, everyone in the world blasting them, uh, you know, for their lack of couth. I don't know what the next events is going to be, but they'll be at it because nothing will be done. It's just... I hate to say it's typical iRacing and they they kind of bend over for the um to keep these teams happy in it because you know and I don't blame them they got competitors coming and trying to steal them they see that too so they got to be careful and tread water on what they do Yeah but if they just sweep it under the rug it's just going to I mean ever people are just going to continue to cheat I think iRacing needs to come out with a statement this week I mean, it's already late in the week. If they were going to do it, they should have done it already, But, which probably means they're not going to. But I think they should come out with a public statement about it, you know, that, hey, we don't condone this type of behavior. Kind of like, you know, the Kyle Larson situation. Remember Kyle Larson, you know, what he did, and he got suspended, and, and you know, NASCAR suspended him, and this and that. And there was a public announcement about it. I mean, this is a big race. This This deserves a a public statement at least you know denouncing what has happened uh, even if they're not going to you know suspend him for more than a week what they're going to do is they're going to hope that the news cycle changes quickly here and everybody forgets about it yeah and what's more egregious doing that for 24 hours or i don't know pulling over to pee yeah there, I, I mean, doing this is a, a very egregious. I mean, the cones are there. I saw them when I was in the car. There's four of them in, in a line. I mean, it, any idiot knows that you're not supposed to go down there. That's what the cones are there for. So what are they going to have to do? Render cones every two or three car lengths all the way down the apron in the, in the 24? Not from now on, whenever you run that road course? If you race at Charlotte... There are one X's now when you run on the apron. Or not one X's, there's slowdowns, actually. So what they really should do is put slowdowns down there instead of one X's. Because slowdowns, if you're wounded anyway, you're gonna you're not gonna the slowdown's not gonna stay it's not gonna it's gonna tick down quick. Yeah, see that didn't didn't Steve Myers make that in the, or or Greg West putting on the statement they didn't want to put a slowdown or a one X to penalize people that are damaged? I'm like they're damaged. They're down on the apron because they're damaged. It's not going to, they're not going to be going fast enough to the penalty won't uh, go against them. Yeah. Well, he said one X, 
which would count against you, but slowdown wouldn't. Because if you're limping around at half speed, that slowdown is going to pretty much clear itself out. Well, 1X would definitely still solve that problem because it could only do it for a certain amount of laps. Slowdown makes sense, you know, um, to me. Now, there's a forum thread about this where they all talk about it, and a lot of the people are saying, we need live stewards. We need a live admin in these big events. We talked about the feasibility of that in our team discussion throughout the week. Um, one idea that I had was like, you know, to try to make this easier where you don't literally have to have one person in every split is maybe you have a, a steward that's monitoring a particular start time. And then they have like a, maybe a forum thread where drivers can report activity that needs to be looked at real time in the forums and we have a, a a staff member or whatever monitoring that and literally going into the the sim and and addressing it on the spot like you know give him you know the execution jury and all that all at once where okay you I, you you were i see that you in the replay that you went on the apron here multiple times i'm going to black flag you from the event you know, something well, like you can that. Do, majors does this actually. There, there was a forum where we ran the majors the last the lawn race. Anytime somebody does something, you can basically immediately file a protest. And they were giving out, uh, it may not have been majors, it may have been a different league, but they were they were giving out immediate drive through penalties uh, for people who caused cause incidents. The only thing though is they were only running four splits. You can't. Um, you have to have somebody in the server to be able to see the replay. If they come in, if they come in, they're not going to be able to see the replay. Um, where this, where live admins really need, need to be, let's just go ahead and say it: the top split. Okay, if this stuff is going in other splits, you can deal with it after the fact. Where the live, it's the top splits that have the high visibility. So put a live admin in each top split. I think that's a great compromise, David. You know, instead of having to staff 86 splits or whatever it is, you just do the top splits. And uh, But they need to do it. I really feel like, you know, if I was Nim Cross, you know, and it's the Daytona 24 weekend, I mean, I would be probably peeking my head in these, you know. I'd be kind of jumping in and looking around. I don't know. I mean, don't he's done that before with other things, but... This is a big event. I mean, uh, they need to do something. My question is, and, and David made the right point there, is do the top split and then handle afterwards. And this is what's going to happen, Mike, and, and I can tell you this. The top split gets watched and is done in, by the live admin. If we do in any other split, we're all sitting. We're Trust me, we're getting protested, and we're all going to have a vacation afterwards. If we all did this the other day, us small Joes will be the ones sitting. Not an esports team that's competing in top split. Us in split 42 or split 16 or whatever we're in, they don't give a shit. They'll fucking penalize us and and, uh, and go on their merry way. They don't have to think twice about it. They'll take the protest. They said they'll use the sporting code, and we're gone. The top split is the only reason it's, it's a problem is because of the teams that are involved. And another thing, what I was also going to say is, if NIM is in a server or any of the admins and somebody drops a cuss word, they chat ban them on the spot. They don't wait for it to get filed. They chat ban them on the spot. And so, you know, 
if they can do that in any average race that they happen to be in, why not um, have a live admin for these major events in the top split? Great idea. Let's move on. Brian, tell us about the Skip Barber Formula iRacing Series. Yeah, so this series is back for the second year, and um, it it boasts probably one of the best uh, prize packages in all of uh, iRacing, maybe all of uh, simulated uh, motorsports. Uh, the winner gets a you know a full ride in a Skip Bar Skip Barber uh, Racing Series, and. Uh, we uh we actually did follow along with last year's winner Elvis Rankin who who uh who did compete all all year long in the um, Skip Barber series so um this, it's starting up in another week I think this coming week and uh, at Lime Rock Park um, and uh, it's I think there's a twenty dollar entrance fee base so it is a little pricey but uh, man the uh, the um, the the payout is, is is fantastic for this series um and it's it's really almost it's really kind of launching racing careers to be honest with you um one of the one of the drivers who, who uh competed in this actually has gone on to the next uh, series of uh formula racing so um it's it's an awesome awesome opportunity for a lot of sim drivers yeah and i i kind of took interest in this Brian, because I see the car isn't the Skip Barber, even they even though they call it the Skip Barber uh, series, it's the IRO four, which is a car I've been eyeing uh, and thinking about getting next in my open wheel progression. Uh, five really good tracks um, that I know well, so I was thinking, man, maybe I'll just run this for fun. Obviously, I'm not going to win it, but uh, twenty dollars per week, and there's five different weeks. And so that would be a hundred bucks if you want to participate in the whole event. Now you do have to register by this Saturday uh, before registration closes for the first week. I'm not going to spend the hundred bucks. I'm trying to save some money. I'm gonna, trying to build a computer. So we're going to save the hundred bucks. But uh, yeah, if you have a hundred bucks um, and you like that car, get it. Are you going to save some money and tell us how much you spent in the last couple of years? <laughs> I didn't do the math. Oh, come on, you don't want to go fast. All right, let's keep moving. Greg, how about the uh, NASCAR Cup Series template updates? Yeah, so um, Brian Simpson posted uh, just a heads up: the NASCAR has changed, or NASCAR has changed the hood louvers, nose, uh, and the nose models of the twenty twenty for the twenty twenty three season. Uh, this requires us to update our three D model which these changes they were restricted to the nose hood and fenders well we tried to match the existing uvs as closely as we could uh there will be a change that needs to be made on existing custom schemes to match these edits just an fyi you may want to look over your paints yeah so if you're getting your paints ready for daytona 500 uh you need to take a look at this um it might be off just a little bit how are our paints coming along? I saw a preview maybe a week ago with Bobby Jonas over at Sim Wraps, but uh, yeah, I think it was looking pretty good. He was waiting on the, he knew this was coming. He was just waiting on the thing to, to uh, fine tune the last little bit of the changes, I guess here. And uh, then we'll have them all ready for the 500. Um, I know David and I have a majors 500 starting 
in the next weekend, but there's races during the week here or whatever this week coming up and the weekend. So our cars might have their templates a little bit off since the new update, right? All right, next up we have some Coke Series announcements uh, wrapping up the uh, draft. They got uh, E-Racer announced their drivers, uh, Colin Bowden returns, and then they add Colin Keister to the lineup. And then uh, Justin Malello, uh put out his unofficial team list, and it's pretty much complete at this point. Um, so just looking to, you know, what do you guys think? Any surprises? got some new teams in here uh, we didn't really talk about some of this but like for example the the one that's called knights.gg i believe that's kind of like the charlotte.gg so the charlotte has a little esports center where they do esports and they have a team and things well kansas city missouri has the same thing and so that's what the knights.gg is it's a, kind of the same thing but based out of kansas city so it's what it's Mike, Michael Conti's last season too in this. So this is his final season racing with Junior Motorsports. Yep, it is, and uh, and then you have Kevin King with Junior as well, and you got Front Row Motorsports entering for the first time this year. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, you were just talking earlier about Tony Kanan. He's actually uh, sponsoring a team this year for that, so that's pretty cool. I was going to say that's Mike's team. Mike's going to be uh, cheering for that team. I love Tony. I think he's great for our, our community and we're so glad to see him stand up for what's right. Um, because what those guys did was just wrong. It's like one of the teams that, uh, is gone is uh, Richmond, uh, raceway. Uh, I don't think they're in here anymore. Cause I see that, um, Zach Novak, who was a driver for them. He's, um, he's with another team. So, uh, I think that's one of the teams that's gone. I think it's a rename. Uh, they changed to Rise, yeah. I think okay. it's the same group, right. well, that but it's sense. yeah, a rename. Mike, you were, okay. were just before Brian said there, Tony Canon's team there. He's got two rookie drivers as his his uh, Pierre Parker White and Tyler Gary. Yeah, I think you know that was probably the final two guys that needed picked up because we haven't heard about the Tony Canon team, and uh, yeah. All right, let's jump to Greg. Uh, we have more GTPs coming. Yeah, so I I got some clarification. David helped me with this earlier because I was I didn't realize they called the GTPs um, here in North America. Those are the cars that like the the BMW, the hybrid that we raced this weekend was in the GTB category. I I just all I think of is the LM uh, LM series for those. But anyways, um, I guess it was asked uh, by is it Amy and Rob um, were, were asking of, after they were watched the roar coverage on Peacock, even though uh, I'm a short track guy there, uh, when are we going to get more of the GTP beauties uh, in the top class of racing and like Porsche or uh, Cadillac, he was saying in the tweet and Steve Myers quote tweeted this says uh, we have more coming. So does that mean they're going to expand that class, I guess, in the next little while here, in the next year or so? They'll have more hybrid cars racing in that series? I'd love a Cadillac, yeah. It'll be cool if they do, but you're gonna, but unless they can increase the number of uh, cars available in each, in each event, that means they'll have to pull a GT car off. It's a tough balance because you want to be able to be, you know, to have drivers that, 
on your service that don't have great computers, but you also want to expand that number too. And so it's a conflict for sure. Well, it only benefits them to have more cars too, right? Like we all drive our favorite brands, right? So if somebody wants to have the Porsche brand or the Cadillac brand in there with the BMW brand and you don't have that option because you're limited to CPU usage or GPU usage, it kind of sucks. But um, like you said, Mike, you, we got to make sure we include everybody even that because, you know, computer parts can be hard by come by and it also is really expensive to do the sim. So I see both problems there, but um, it would be really nice to have as many cars as possible because that's what makes the IMSA series and any of the endurance series popular is the brand manufacturing. Yeah, but the, the difference in the look in the prototypes is not as profound as in a GT car. I think it's going to be now is what the what the implementation of what they're doing with this car though is it's kind of more um what they've gone to this in this hybrid era is they're trying to make them look different if there wasn't enough going on already we got a video from iRacing highlights of the week brian yes uh seven seven highlights from the week uh some of them are really cool uh, a guy going from six to first on the first turn at coda um my personal favorite was um it was a late model uh late model driver doing a slide job between two cars so it was and he had like no room between the car in front of him and car back of him and he just kind of slid right between the two of them it was it was pretty impressive it kind of reminded me of one of the stunt drivers who do those uh parking things where they parallel park a car you know by sliding through it and fit in there perfect it was just like one of those it was pretty cool like threading the needle right yep yeah, and at the end they had a uh, oval. Uh, the second one from the end, a nice oval race at Talladega. Of course, all uh, trying to get to the line as a group. I, I can never find those splits where guys can actually race that many side by side without wrecking. It's hard to find. Yeah, that's why they're highlights. <laughs> all right, I'll take this one. The 2023 iRacing BMW Sim Cup returns with the M hybrid V8 and the M4 GT3. This 10 round season starts February 5th in Daytona and concludes November 10th at Suzuka. And it's, there's, there's money uh, up for grabs here, guys. Um, if you run this event. Uh, now, the other thing that came out is if you look at the schedule on the ninth event out of 10, the, sched, uh, the track is to, to be determined. And that has driven some speculation in the forums to what track is it? And people were begging Greg West for a hint. And he said, it turns left and right. So we know it's a road course. And based on the date, and then there was another. So the date listed is uh, November 8th. Um, and somebody said that Greg needed to change the date to September instead of November because they don't have any events in September on the schedule, people were speculating that it might be Monaco. I, I'm just trying to figure out what track Mike's hoping it would be that wasn't a road course, like an oval for them to race at. Because it isn't a road racing cars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so apparently this will be a new track that's incoming. That's why it's TBD is what people are thinking. Uh, and some people uh, are saying it might be Monaco. 
while others uh, are speculating with other ideas. I'm definitely thinking it's going to be obviously a track from an F1, like the F1 circuit. I would guess that that would be what it would be driven by. Um, I don't know how many tracks were missing off the F1, but I would guess it. you're right, Mike. Like Monaco seems like a good kind of track to put there, but that's a very, um, very small track for two big wide cars. Okay, so here's the deal. It says each class podium splits 1,750 per race, while the top 10 finishers per class um, will receive the BMW M Sim Cup points towards the end of season prize pool. An additional 6,150 per class is on the line for the top 12 points finishers in both classes at the end of the season, with the champions taking home 1,500 apiece. There's some real cash involved here, guys. <laughs> I like one of the comments of the tweet. I hope you are uh, excluding uh, Williams Esports from this event <laughs> in the interest of a good competition. People are mad. Take it personally. I do. Um, now, Tom Dryling said in the team chat about this, hey, you guys want to run it? What do you guys think? You got the car. Starts uh, next week. Why not? Just uh, get in there and see if you can get some money. What do you What do you think the likelihood of the top teams running the uh, bottom, the the apron at Daytona in this race next week? Yeah, well, this is a league like, race. It's probably going to be at and they can boot their asses. True. All right, let's keep moving. Fast Pasto has been showing off. Anthony Alfredo, Xfinity driver, he posted up a YouTube video of him. In his uh, testing session, in his full race gear, including it's an eye racing uh, outfit or a fire suit. Uh, he's got an eye racing helmet. Uh, the full uh, the full suit is all eye racing branded. Looks pretty cool. Um, but he decided to wear it while he is sim racing, and uh, he made a, a cute little video out of it. The only thing that's missing is him at the end doing the eye racing pose. And then kind of panning out to the iRacing symbol, that would have been the best thing. So waiting for Mike to come out with an iRacing suit at home. You know, I noticed, I think he's racing uh, the uh, Chicago road course. I mean, is this what he's, is he really actually practicing for this thing? He hits the wall pretty hard. And it... you do get a nice look at his equipment um, and, you know, what he's running as far as his wheel and his button boxes and his gear shift and all that. Okay, moving on. Road to Pro schedule has been announced. James Pike uh, put it out there on the Twit Twit, and uh, it's basically the same as it was last year. Uh, copy paste. Uh, some of the replies from some of the Road to Pro drivers, they're not happy with the first event uh, being this Tuesday, uh, or excuse me, not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday before the Daytona 500 is when the first event is and that's when the duels are run and some of these drivers are saying hey i'm in daytona for the actual race i want to watch the duels i'm going to the duels and how am i going to run road to pro at the same time and uh, obviously they're going to have to miss the duels or they're going to miss the road to pro hmm if there was only an argument when there was more when you, you have an argument with something happens when you only have one time slot compared to like four time slots Something like this might, could never happen. 
every year I usually start the road to pro and then I kind of fade out of it, but cause I, yeah, I'm not I was, a fan of the truck. I was going to say in before you're all excited about it for two weeks and then quit. Right. Yeah, I think, now I think you, kinda, yeah. you post about it because it's Daytona. You love Daytona. You get going. You want to race every restrictor plate, plate track you can or race you can do, and then it burns you out real early. That's Donnie this year. Donnie said he's going to run the truck, the Xfinity, the A, everything. He's going to get called into work that week and not work a lot. It work a lot. All right, uh, Brian, we got a patch today. Yes. Uh... Patch include updates and fixes for the 2023 season release. Um, so um, uh, they were down earlier today, and it was one of those ones where you can test drive while while it was down, which is always really cool. Um, I don't really, I don't see any um, actual notes on the link here, though, Mike. I only see uh, one that downtime. We put up started. the wrong link, is what happened. <laughs> there you go. That'll explain it. So if you click Alex. Gustafson, the uh, author in the of the forum thread, and click profile. You'll see he posted it in a different link. If I can find, uh, you have to click activity. Well, apparently I can't see it. Now I'm going to do it by memory. Then, so I did read it. The release notes. It was really the big thing was changes to the uh, the damage model. Uh, they ba it basically said. The damage model has is too forgiving. It 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 doesn't damage the car enough, and so they've changed it now. They've made some fundamental changes to the damage model, where the cars will get more realistic damage or be more damaged than they were previously when you hit the wall or something. I'm just glad they came out with this after the point four. Right. So apparently it affects all the damage models across the board. Okay, then let's jump to World of Outlaw Sprints. Brian, did you get to watch this? Yeah, sure did. So um, this is week nine of ten. So this past Monday night was the uh, next to last uh, next to last uh, race for the year. Um, it was uh, razor thin after um, Alex Bergeron won the week before at. Um, at um, Knoxville, he had a two-point lead going into this race. Well, um, things got real interesting real quick because because uh, uh, the uh, second-place driver in the series did not make it to the final, so he was going to get zero points this week um, by not making it to the um, to the to the um, main event. So Alex Bergeron, he didn't have a great race or get great, great uh, qualifying session either and uh, wound up starting uh, towards the back of the field. I think he started in 14th. Um, and, you know, if he had a good run, he could have basically slammed the door on the series. Um, but, um, but, but he was then actually uh, making up some decent ground and got involved into in a wreck and actually got flipped out of the out of the track off the track over the fence he, he, he was gone and uh, wound up finishing 14th overall he could have made up a lot of points and basically put the same away but as it as it is um, Timothy Smith um, he, he actually fell from uh, second place to, to third Tyler shell with a decent finish uh, in this race moved in the second place in points overall so um, Alex Bergeron still got a 20 23 point lead which is fairly decent um, certainly nothing that um, that can't be overcome in one race as we just saw last week so uh, he's in the driver he's in the he's in the best position to repeat 
as uh, I think this will be his fourth World of Outlaw Champions for the Sprint Car Series. So uh, it would have been it's it, it's really looking like he's got a good shot at that. Um, the the race winner was uh, Dylan Yeager with James Eden second and Tyler Ducharme finishing third. So it was uh, Dylan Yeager's first win in, in the uh, World Outlaw Sprint Car Series. So congratulations to him. But everybody was really keeping an eye on the on the guys on the championship during this race, especially when uh, when all the the drama happened. So next week is uh, the dirt track at Charlotte for the finale uh, weekend. Uh, Alex Bergeron, a, a, a decent lead going in that race, and, and uh, we will see if he can pull out number four for the year, for his for his career, I should say. Right. Yeah, we're getting down to the end. Before we move on, I have a travel update. I've been in Mississippi for quite a while. I am now passing through Tupelo. All right. This next one's for our teammate, Bobby Jonas. We found an amazing Lego sim racing motion rig setup. And uh, there's a short YouTube video up from a sim racing den of a, uh, a motion rig, you know, made out of Legos. And, and uh, it's the coolest looking thing. Uh, it's got that CXC look to it where you got the shock absorbers coming off the back corners of the seat um direct drive wheel formula with a formula wheel keyboard off to the side little emergency stop button on a yellow box i mean triple monitors uh headphones headphones fan everything the the fans on either side uh it, it really details out everything and i'm like take my money where can i buy this Pretty cool. It's got the computer as well. Had a couple of extra steering wheels mounted to it, so uh, he, he can switch out your steering wheel. Really neat. Awesome. I want to buy it. And yeah, uh, Bobby's always doing Lego uh, Legos, but he does like race cars, and so this would be a good fit for him. Don, Donnie Spiker could add his to his collection of of unopened boxes that he has. All right, I got the next one. Somebody has done a review of the Sim Racer movie, and it was a, on overtake.gg, and it said, should you watch it? And here's what it says. Ultimately, while this movie isn't perfect or groundbreaking, it's very enjoyable for a micro-budget movie of this sort. It may be found to be deriv derivative and filled with tropes, but it's a sweet, in-the-pocket, and down-to-earth story about an average guy who is into sim racing. The Sim Racer is a great foundation to build upon for futures, for the future of movies centered around sim racing, and it feels somewhat like validation for our niche hobby of driving pretend race cars. With the Gran Turismo movie releasing in August, could these two movies be the springboard for showing off the appeal of racing on video games? So uh, another uh, thing I read about it was you know, the whole story idea was like the guy needs money and and so he decides to enter a sim race to win the money, you know, that he needs. And then when they show him sim racing, they like superimpose him over a, in a real NASCAR kind of like on on the track, but they never actually show him in a sim cockpit. They never show him with a, a direct drive wheel or hydraulic pedals that's never on screen at all they never show him with actual sim racing equipment i thought that was interesting all right podcast housekeeping 
Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Check out our Discord and our website. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and iRock TV on Roku TV. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software bought to you, brought to you by Metro Ford of Chicago. And this was a controversial topic. Dave Cam puts up a video. And he does the unthinkable and actually adds up and totals up how much money he has spent on sim racing over all time. And, uh, boy, this has prompted me to challenge our team to do the same thing. And I don't think we've got any takers on that, did we? I wouldn't have had a problem to do it, but I don't have a boss. Everybody else says the thing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, Dave Cam actually totaled his up to around 28,000 uh, pounds. So um, now that did include, did not include money he got back from selling things. So um, he says it's probably a good, a good bit less with uh, with uh, with what he sold back. But 28 pounds out of pocket, and that did not include. Uh, I don't think it included hardware for his computers either. I think it was just sim racing stuff. Right. Did I don't think it include the hobby? Yeah, counting computers, I would say it's definitely in the five digits. I'm easily there too, but we're going to keep that one hush hush. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was a neat exercise because he talks about hardware that he regrets buying. You know, like, man, I probably shouldn't have got that VRS wheel. You know, because I ended up going this route, you know, eventually or whatever. Or he says... You know, I, I shouldn't have got that second ultra wide. You know, I should have just stuck with one. And he talks about his regrets. And I think it's good to hear other people uh, talk about those hardware decisions. Like, man, I was going to go triples and I, you know, went with this and went with that. And I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah, but regrets are what you're going to have anyways. You're, yeah. you're never going to make the hundred the right decision every single time about what you want. We we upgrade from nothing to what we have. Like a lot of us, I mean, Mike, you talk about stories where you sat on a desk table and um, in front of a small monitor or small triple monitors. Um, a year ago at this time, I was just building my dream P- PC and dream setup. Like I would never have thought I would have been at this point. Yeah. When you start, you don't know where it's going to end. I mean, it, you look at Donnie, you know, he's fairly new to the scene and right now he's going through a spending spurge you know getting all his good stuff i mean he's got a good rig down he's got a really good wheel and he's got really good pedals and he's just like putting it all together and yeah 
Well, except for Brian McDollars, all of us started buying all of our equipment when we joined the show. Did you just call him McDollars? Brian McDollars? That's a good title idea. <laughs> so has your wife ever asked you, Brian, you know, how much does all this cost? Yeah, um, my my philosophy is I moved the decimal point over one lo- one spot, and it, and it's usually a lot more palatable to what what I what I tell her it costs. <laughs> <laughs> Just move the decimal, and that's it. Geez, a hundred dollar headset looks real cheap, eh? It's a twenty two hundred dollar headset. Is a yeah, that's that's doable. I think I can pull that one. Gee, dear, the Varro's only 200 bucks. Yeah, that's what I mean, 200 bucks. I can handle that. Yeah, but it'll be $20 when he shows her the rec- or shows her in paper. Yeah, so so uh, told, I told Tyler, who's, who's like one of my best friends and our teammate, uh, if so, but if, God forbid, something ever happens to me, don't let my wife sell my stuff for what I told her I paid for it. Do not do that. <laughs> At that point, I'll be. Uh, you can tell her how much I spent. It adds up. I mean, I remember when I built this rig a little more than a year ago. Um, I started with a budget. I had a spreadsheet and I added up everything. And but what I quickly learned as I got involved in the trenches of building it was I didn't have everything. I had to keep buying stuff. I kept going to the hardware store over and over and over, buying this or that and tools and different things and. And then it just snowballs and it, you know, yeah. Our sim racing hobby is kind of like a renovation. It's always in progress. You're always going to find things that you fine tune stuff to finish it up. Yeah. I was thinking I'm pretty much done and happy with what I have. And now I'm looking to the future. It's time to start thinking about the next computer build for me, but it's going to be so expensive. So I really got to save for it. See, my next one is the one thing I have yet to upgrade is my my base and my pedals so that's that's the last things that i have in down the future is to get a better base and uh, pedals set up all right so speaking of better bases will ford at boosted media ask has fanatec lost it when it comes to their dd1 and dd2 direct drive wheelbases meaning are they still worth it today i mean these were new products how many years has it been i've Four or five years? I think David, it's only you been two, Mike. Isn't it been the pandemic? Yeah. But I think it Will's was, point is they haven't put out uh, anything new in quite some time. Yeah, it was way before the pandemic. They haven't put out anything new because you start going higher in, in, in this, and it's, uh, it's, point, it's pointless at that point. So they're, they're good enough. Yeah. It's one of those almost yeah. don't fix what's broken things. I- watch this video will was will did say that some of the new um firmware stuff is actually um making this even better than it, than it has been um he also said he also showed that the uh the new um quick connect is you can use that with the space you can disconnect the current stem and and uh, put on the new uh quick disconnect um so um that's that would be an upgrade you can get in order to uh, make a little bit better connections. Um, so, um, yeah. So he 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 actually said he's not sure if they lost it or if it's still worth it. He he basically said that you know it's still a solid still solid base. Um, you know, 
and with the firmware um, upgrades, it's it's getting better and closer to some of the some of the better ones out there. It uh, just just a quick research here. It came out in 2019. I mean, it's well documented why I left Fanatec. I mean, it was really centered around the Podium Hub itself and the play that's in in that alone. But I mean, David, you don't have a problem. I mean, you seem to be happy with it. Yeah, it's been working fine for me. Even and uh, they took care of me when the DD one got back ordered. Right, I got that free formula wheel that I probably never would have bought or, or didn't realize. I didn't. I don't know what I would have been missing until I had it because it's so much better for road racing. Yeah, and I, I've now, had the DD two for a couple years now, and I've never had any issues with the release. Now I will say their shifter was terrible, and I'm. I just. Unfortunately, I don't care about H pattern anymore because it works as sequential, but it's it's god awful in H pattern mode. It is the worst shifter that you can buy. So, Brian, you you have no qual no I you have no qualms about oh I need to upgrade and get out of this DD two. You you feel like it's your forever base? Yeah, yeah, I don't have any issues with it, so I I don't have any plans on changing it. And I have the DD two, which is like tw the twenty five newton meter, so it's plenty strong. Um, I will look into a, a replacement um, quick release to see if it's worth it after that's released, if that's ever released, and they get some reviews out and see how good that is. But other than that, I'm I'm fairly happy with it. I'm not going to plan on making any major changes. All right, let's hit one more. Uh... Or a couple more Thrustmaster T818 review. The Sim Racing Garage reviews that new Thrustmaster direct drive wheel. And again, I think the biggest thing that threw me off was the mounting holes align with nothing. I mean, I think I think the numbers he said were like 67 centimeters or by something number. It was just some oddball uh, pattern that they've decided on, I, I, which. I just can't believe that. Why would they not go with yeah. everything that they do? Like every other company's pattern. Or match their existing box, wheel. But why wouldn't you? Right. They have a Thrustmaster wheel right now that has holes, a, a bolt pattern already. Why wouldn't you match that? You know? And so yeah, to that. hear Barry say he's got to drill holes in his mounting plate, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, because Barry's got everything, so... Uh, and and you can and if you I remember you can buy a, a plate that transitions it over to a regular bolt and that's like another thirty bucks extra that shouldn't have to buy. Yeah, so that's my biggest qualm with this thing. But what about his final conclusion? I mean, what do you? I mean, he he said a lot of good things about it. Yeah, I mean, he did say the fidelity wasn't too bad. Um, he was he didn't like the plastic on the quick releases, so he he felt that that was a a, a concern. Um, there, there's a uh, apparently there's a couple different modes for racing it. You know, he was using the performance mode. There's an extreme mode, which he said was a little uh, too much, too too heavy. So, um, uh, but overall, I think he said that the, the driving of it was wasn't wasn't bad. Just a couple of qualms here and there that that can be overlooked for for uh, for like um I don't know as far as direct drives it's not high end but it's it's um it's okay. Yeah, one qualm was uh, the emergency stop uh, for the force feedback is uh, a button on the side, 
And he's like, well, if the wheel's spinning, I'm going to have to reach around the wheel, you know, very discreetly and, and, and hit it. You know, it'd be nice if it had a remote switch like all the other wheels do. All right, let's do another one. This one is have it your way with this custom air-cooled sim racing seat and personalize the padding with a design that fits your style. The Cold Fusion is a unique addition to any sim rig with the, in terms of technology and design, dare to innovate and order the world's first air-cooled sim racing seat today. So this is by Eau Rouge, and we've talked about their seat before, um, but now you can order it with uh, patterns or colors or uh, logos, you know, you name it. This would be kind of cool to have, uh, you know, like an iRacers lounge one. Now, I think these are still European only. They're not shipping to the U.S., unfortunately. Love the idea, though. Okay, we probably have a one more time for one more. Uh, Brian, the Burnout Simulator. Yeah, this is from JR Racing TV. They posted on uh, Instagram what is appears to be a burnout sim. So, Smoke is actually being out from underneath the rig as the driver drifts around the course, and if you burn out, so basically, if if you're really tearing your tearing your tires up and you're and you're uh, creating a lot of smoke, apparently this thing put puts smoke out from under your simulator and fills your room up with a with a cloud of uh, a burnout smoke. So, really cool idea, awesome. I, I think it's a, it's really genius to do that. I mean, it's not a not a product you can buy or anything. This guy probably just created it on his own, but really cool. Does it set up a smoke machine? Things? Get a button. I imagine it's probably mists. You know, uh, like a like a vape end sort of thing would would put out. You know, it's water basically, water vapor. So I don't think it's going to set off a, a smoke alarm. No, no. I used to be in. Um audio visual in hotels and we would do smoke machines for these corporate events and it's like you said it's like a baby oil that they heat up and it makes the smoke but it's non-toxic and it doesn't you know it doesn't smell like smoke or anything like that really cool i get this but I don't, you wouldn't see it in vr it would <laughs> it wouldn't work too good in vr it wouldn't you'd lose the effect so that's, you can just stick with the burnt rubber candle. That's what I was thinking. Exactly. I can still smell candle. a candle in VR. I can't see the smoke. So what you need is a Sensi plugged into the plugged into the, the appy. There you go. Yes, exactly. It kind of reminds me of the kid who ha who launches a rave every time he wins the race. He pushes a button and the whole room goes off yeah, and disco and yeah. fireworks and everything. All right, let's jump over to team results, racing results. The winter NIS series, Friday open at Dover. I was P13, not many cautions at all, and I struggled on the old tires more than the others. I suck. Then Wednesday open. Now, before I talk about this, David, I was fired up. I was like confident, cocky. I'm like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I just feel it. I was like, 
I've been training for this. I've been winning in the hosted uh, in the 87s at Talladega for the last several months. I've been doing pretty good in this series. I won North Wilkesboro. I had a fourth at Dover. We're going into Talladega. I'm like, I'm going to win. And uh, what happened? Well, I got wrecked out on lap seven when the leader just turned it on his own and he wrecked the entire field. So I was just the, the, on the outside. He was on the inside. Uh, he just spun all by himself, wasn't around anybody, uh, wiped us all out. Pretty disappointed. So then today, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it done today. So I ran Thursday open. Man, I was running top five. I led some laps. I was the dominant car pretty much. At some point, I was leading, and guess what? It just came around on me. I spun and wiped out the field just like the guy did last night. And uh, yeah, it was time for me to eat a slice of humble pie. You know, Greg, you said it, you used to do this all the time, wreck while leading, and I did. Throughout the last fall and summer, there was a point where every time I get out front, I would spin the damn car out. And I thought I had it figured out where I couldn't, I wouldn't do that anymore, but apparently not. It just, it just swapped ends on me. I have no idea what happened. Yeah, I, don't, I just, like I said, I, the same clip, uh, happened like all the time. I remember me and you were running 87 once and you got out to the lead and did the exact same thing. And I think it's, it seems to only be Talladega though, not Daytona. Yeah, just Talladega. Yeah. So now I'm gun shy. I don't even know if I want to run tomorrow night. You know, I was cocky. I was confident. I was, I was in the fixed set. These guys are in open sets. I was running really good. Like I said, dominant car. And and I have no idea how I spun out. Um, and, and the guy who last night, he was the same way. He was like, I don't even know what happened. So at least I feel like it's not just me uh, that's done it. So, but again, I feel sorry for the people that got caught up in that. I was apologizing over the radio profusely. I felt like an ass. All right, let's move on was, to I other. Was, sorry, I was tempted to copy and paste where you said I'm gonna win. <laughs> yeah. I was a little cocky, wasn't I? But I called my shot and I felt like I was going to execute it too, but I, I didn't. All right, other road racing I ran on in official is Indy Pro F2000 at the Circuit de Spa, Frankershaw. Uh, I started 12th out of 17. By the end of lap one, I was up to seventh. Had a great race with lots of pressure from behind P5. Then I qualified P2 out of 14. Took the lead in turn one and led the first five laps at Spa before I spun out on the last corner by myself and fell to fourth. I worked my way back up to second, but lost it and fell to third on the last lap, P3. Next race, qualified P2 out of nine, got the lead on the first lap, and then he took me side by side and doored me and I fell back to six. Did march my way back up to P3. Then I switched cars to the, the slower car, the USF 2000 at Spa, qualified P3 out of 14, had a good battle for second and third. The leader got away from us, P2. So man, I am just top five in it at Spa this week. So um, looking forward to doing some more of that tonight. I'm, I feel like I'm just knocking on the door for a win at Spa, my, maybe my first win at Spa. David, uh, Winter League Atlanta, P16. 
Yeah, uh, I was doing really well. Had a contending car, and then just had a. Uh, I made a late move. I was clear. The guy hit me in the rear bumper, but um, it was a late move. So I'll share the blame on it. And uh, throw. I took his took him out and put me all the way back, and never never had a caution to to get back up. So throw away a good chance at a good finish. Right. And I had a great finish, uh, probably my best for this league so far. P6, started tail end. I was dead last, made it up to 13th by the first stop. I kept it clean and raced in the top 10, basically. I did lead some laps. Uh, green flag stops happened. I was fourth after that. But the top three, man, they had a seven-second breakaway. Um, and there were no more cautions, so I just rode it home from there. Uh, and there was in my group it was fourth fifth and sixth, so i fell back to six um i think those guys short pitted us uh a few lap and that must be how they got the huge gap and then they just pushed like crazy or something and we weren't organized the rest of us and uh yeah that's how they won the race all right and with that let's jump to final thoughts brian mccubbin joe and i miss my we are all sorts. So, uh, no big deal because it's still kind of like the um, the middle season before the real season. Looking for how much to call us. You guys got me now? I know. Yeah. Try it again. Yeah, we got you. Okay, sorry. So, uh, so uh, missed my races with OBRL because I was out of town last couple weekends. Looking at looking. Well, we'll to, have to catch from his, next uh, purchases to. Where you're kind of cutting in and out there, Brian. Let's, All right, let's, let's kick on. it over to David. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to David Hall. Your final thoughts as you're driving. All right, I'm, uh, I'm glad we stuck it out. Uh, you know, I didn't know how we were going to be, but when I came out, we were still in the top ten. I felt like it was worth going for it. Um, could have been second. Is what I, I wish we had gotten that second, but the fourth is still a good good run to be proud of. Um, Remember any any listeners that are going to be down at the show? Um, I'm going to arrive at the track sometime in the middle of, middle of the afternoon tomorrow. Uh, feel free to contact me on Discord. I know that there's a lot of Mad Sim guys down there too. I'm probably going to try to sneak on one of their shows. In fact, if they do any recording, uh, so yeah, holler at me if you're down at the Rolex. All right. Well, have a good race uh, down at the uh, Daytona. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. I, I I told my wife that I was so jealous that you were be, being able to go down to that, David. Um, uh, one of these years, I want to. I was hoping that at some point we could get most of the teammates one year to go down and just you know enjoy the weekend there at the Rolex and as a team. But uh, yeah, I'm just I'm pretty proud of uh, what we've done in our 24 hour race um, to be up in contention. Uh, you know, trying not to have any problems on the track. It would it would have been nice to see if we could have uh, how far we would have been back had there been no actual issues on the track. Um, but uh, I'm pretty proud of all of us. Uh, uh, David, you and I've run a lot of these. Mike, you've run a bunch. Uh, Tom and uh, Tom's recently run a lot more, and Kyle's definitely was getting into on our side was definitely I think it's a second or third time trying it. So. It was nice uh, um, us all getting another year of experience and going and doing it. 
Um, and I look forward to any of the more, you know, more of their endurance ones we got coming up. Yeah, Kyle's times were really solid and consistent. Right. Yeah, my final thoughts. Yeah, uh, real proud of the fourth in the Daytona 24. Man, I hate to be the guy who wrecked the car. Uh, I haven't been that guy for a long time. I've always somehow stayed out of trouble in these races, but not this time. And so, I've, you know, you run enough of these, it's going to happen. Like David said, it happens to everybody at some point. So um, it happened to me this time. Uh, it was my mistake and I blew it. Uh, but on the other hand, I felt really good about my road racing. Uh, you know, since I've got the cube controls wheel, and I've been involved in these open wheel racing. Uh, I, my confidence has really gone up. Um, like I said, I feel like I'm going to win at Spa for the first time ever this week. And I really feel like that Indy Pro 2000 car, I, I feel like I, it's just, you know, I, I feel really comfortable in that car now. I just, I get in it and I know exactly how it's going to handle. I know how fast I can go around a corner. I'm getting to the point, you know, I think it's the third season I've been running, maybe the second or third season, but uh, I'm getting to where I really know it. I feel like I can win in the car. So uh, maybe it's time to bounce to the next car up. Uh, I was kind of eyeballing the IR04. And so, uh, yeah, maybe I'll do that next. But uh, told the guys, uh, now that the 24 is over, we got to win the 500. It's time to focus. Uh, I hope we have a set that's worthy. I'm sure we will figure out something, but uh, the confidence is there, so we'll see how it goes. With that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.